podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of Red Inker is about off-stump guards. So when I found someone who is as obsessed with this topic as I am, I got them on the podcast. My name's Cameron Punsonby and I'm a freelance sports writer. We chat about old men yelling at the sky, Graham Gooch's baseball stance, Steve Smith, Kevin Peterson, LBW rates, how much red ball cricket has changed, and where your toes should be while you are batting. Today we are going to talk about off-stump guard, maybe the sexiest of all cricket topics. This sort of exploded a little bit. Maybe exploded is the wrong word because only people like you and me, Cameron, really care about these sorts of things. But this sort of exploded a little bit when there was a broadcast county game. It was Middlesex someone. I know I watched it. Sorry. Yeah. Middlesex, sorry. Oh, that's why everyone was watching it. And the commentators start talking about off-stump guard. And that's basically where you start your piece as well, isn't it, with that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, this is something that's been... Happening in the game for a while, I actually tried it myself in club cricket in about 2015. I got out lots and basically it's this new technique where batters are using this kind of like informed arrogance of, I'm just not going to miss the ball. And I think it's a really attractive way of batting because you can see these elite players using it. So people like Steve Smith gave it a go and he just didn't miss, miss the ball. And all of a sudden he scored loads and loads and loads of runs. And I think batters across the world kind of went, well, I want to have a go at that too. Let's see if it works for me. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because it's not new. Victor Trumper did it back in the early 1900s. Bradman quite often played across the line in a similar way. You could say Viv Richards and KP did it as well. They just did it in different ways. What's changed is that average batters are trying it and that they're actually taking garden off stump rather than before it was quite often batters taking a trigger step very late. So you see it early on, don't you? So essentially, instead of when the bowler's running up, you can see the stumps. When the bowler runs up, quite often you can't see any of the stumps anymore. It felt to me like was Butch, Nasser Hussain, and Athers were on commentary. Yeah. Three of the better commentators in the world. But it did feel a little bit like old men shouting at clouds at a certain point because realistically, players are always trying tricks like this. And if you were trying it in 2015, I reckon I first noticed it probably before that was Steve Smith. And I was like, well, eventually everyone's going to try this because Steve Smith is making a lot of runs, so other people will try this. They just seemed very upset about it because it wasn't the way that they thought you should be scoring in red ball cricket or trying to score. Yeah, I think not just in this technique, but I think cricket has a weird kind of balance at the moment, which is quite exciting in that KP's rocked around and he's uh, kind of baseball batted Glenn McGraw back over his head on debut. And for me, at least, is kind of that I was... 10 at that point like from that point on everyone's going batters find your own way be your own individual do what works for you and i think everyone's kind of subscribed to this mentality of individuals should find their own way to bat and we've kind of reaching the other end of the pendulum where people are going well hold on we said you should do what you wanted to do this is weird come back the other way we need a bit more structure involved i think i definitely agreed with you in that when i first saw the broadcasts and like I think Atherton's been really hot on like trying to not make things into kind of we're old men and we don't know, yeah. like let the new players do what they want to do. And I actually, I, I kind of laughed at the time because I thought he kind of looked ill. We were talking about it and he was like, oh God, we're going big on this here. But I, I kind of toned down from that eventually. And I thought I spoke to Butcher for the piece and I thought he spoke really well on that. Like, yes, the white ball games accelerated 
massively, leaps and bounds on from anything that we could do or could have imagined. But the Red Bull game of cricket is kind of like a regression to the mean of like, hit the top of off stump and occasionally bowl the bouncer. Not much has really changed. People score a bit faster, but that's about it. And so Butch's argument is basically, in the way you've reinvented the wheel in white ball cricket, it doesn't really exist in Red Bull cricket. You're trying to be too clever and we actually know what we're talking about in this regard because this is what we were really good at. We were really good at Red Bull cricket. And here we're not out of date. We're not the old men who don't know what we're talking about. We actually played very recently in this. Like they played more recently in Red Bull cricket than they did in White Bull cricket, if that makes sense. Mm. No, no, it does. I fundamentally disagree with all of that, but I'm going to nice. get to that at the end. <laughs> Let's start with essentially what we're talking about here is English cricket players taking an off stump guard so that you can't see the stumps. They're, they're playing across the thing the idea being that you were taking out more opportunities of being caught behind and caught at slips specifically yeah with that in mind this is from your piece lbws have been on the rise in county cricket yeah it's up to 20.8 percent in 2013 it was down to 15.9 percent so that would say that a people are going out a lot more to it and it is causing a bit of a problem yeah did you put that to anyone in the piece well that was almost the starting point in that Sky had that graphic immediately. They're saying it's going up, but players kind of know that's an inherent risk of the technique. You're, sta you're standing yeah. with your legs in front of the stumps. Like the we kind of know there's a potential for things to go wrong, but their argument is that they're nicking off less. I think there's that stat in the piece as well, where because we don't really measure where people get caught, we say they're caught by the wicketkeeper or they're caught by a fielder. Mm. Caught other has gone down a little bit. We just don't know where that little bit has gone, basically. So they might be yeah. right, but we just don't know for sure. So caught behind stayed at the same rate with this yeah. new technique. Also, we, the other thing we don't know, and this is where all these things are weird, we actually don't know how many people are taking an off stump guard, right? So it's one of those things that we absolutely obsess over because we see a handful of players do it. But realistically, there's no percentage or anything out there saying that my guess is it's probably still around, at most, even in county cricket, 50%, because everyone has their own weird ways of batting us. As you said, uh, I mean, you only have to watch New Zealand play a test match against England to realise that most New Zealand batters have one of about two or three different techniques and that Rory Burns is a absolute freak god neck creature in comparison to anything else. Like, It's not like every single player is playing on off stump guard at the moment. Yeah, and I think this is something uh, quite a few players were keen to stress. And I actually first, I read a, a blog by a cricket coach from Scotland called uh, David Hinchcliffe. And he's very keen to separate your plan from your technique. And so your plan is the way you're going to attempt to score runs, where you're going to score runs. And your technique is your kind of like method of how you're doing it, where your elbow is and where you're starting. But I don't know. And so Ricky Clark was talking about it in that you're saying, yes, to Darren Stevens, I'm always playing him like an off spinner. I'm going to bat on off stump. I'm going to try and thrust my pad outside the line. And so I kind of almost take out OBW that way or et cetera. But he said he talked about facing Dan Worrell, the um, Gloucestershire now Surrey seamer. And he was saying he was reversing it. And he went, I don't want to be stood anywhere near in front of my stumps now. So I'm going to come back over to leg stump. And they're talking about it's a fluid plan. Like even mm. I was guilty of it at the start of this. I mentioned Steve Smith. Steve Smith doesn't do it all the time. He does it when it suits his best plan of scoring runs. And so we kind of, it's, it's very hard to not fall into the trap of calling it a technique when it's not really a technique, it's just a different plan or method of scoring runs. And depending on the bowler and depending on the format, Ricky Clark, for instance, says, I'll bat on middle and off in red ball, I'll bat on middle and leg or leg stump in white ball. People change, they change what they're doing because different 
scenarios require different plans, basically. Yeah, and the other thing is that there's something very noticeable about the off-sump guard, where if you go back and you watch a lot of older cricketers, there's usually a back-and-across movement anyway. Yeah. Even if you start on leg stump, by the time the ball is being released, it's very rare that someone is still on leg stump. There are players who did that, and there are always going to be players that do that. And there's also a difference between your front foot being in the way and your back foot being in the way, which is part of the problem. I, I got the feeling from this piece that in English cricket, you really want your front leg to be out of the way. And that seemed to be something that a lot of the older players got a bit obsessed about. Is that fair? Yeah, I think people talk about kind of like access. And so if your front legs are crossed on off stump, then you're kind of having to play around your front pad. It's like the idea of um, like if you're clipping the ball off your pads, I remember a friend of mine explaining to me that clipping the ball off your front pad is kind of a front foot short, but it's not because you actually bring your front foot back and then you're kind of waiting for the ball to come on under your head as it were. So you can clip the ball away to square leg. And like you do that, you bring your front leg back to do that because you need to have access to the ball. Otherwise, you're just hitting into your pad. And so when Athers and Butch and whoever on Sky is saying your front foot is planted in front of off stump, you're not giving yourself the chance, the buzzword access to the ball. Whereas if you're Alex Stewart however many years ago or you're Marnus Labuschagne now, then your back foot's on off stump and your front foot is kind of pointing down the wicket on like middle or middle and leg or whatever, you can still play straight and down the ground and you still have this inverted commas access to the ball. And I absolutely agree. That's part of it where they're like, this is wrong. You're getting yourself into more trouble than it's worth, basically. So the other thing is th those stats that you talked about before. So LBWs have gone up, caught behinds have stayed the same, caught other has gone down, which we're assuming is this. Yeah. Did you put that to any of the modern players? So who did I speak to? I spoke to Butch, Ricky Clark. I think those numbers came in quite late in the day i think we were trying to as i've spoken to you previously about getting access to information basically yes they are aware i was able to tell them but it's kind of it's almost telling them what they kind of already inherently felt even when the, the initial piece came out players were replying and going well hang on like you just nicked off to second slip instead of getting out obw and now we're kind of swapping that over like what, what's the problem there's no right mm. way of getting out but yes I put it to them, but I didn't necessarily get anything massively interesting out of it other than, yeah, that sounds about right kind of thing. So my thinking is that essentially what the dream is, is the Steve Smith technique where you take away caught behind and caught it slip, right? Yeah. That's going to be almost impossible for most people to do because of the hand-eye coordination that you need to be able to play across your pad. So one of the other things that you talk about quite a bit in this particular piece is the fact that Okay, if you're KP or Victor Trumper or Viv Richards or Mohamed Azaruddin, sure, you can play in this method. Most players aren't that. And so it's a very risky technique for, as you said, as someone who tried this in club cricket, it's a very risky technique for someone who isn't Steve Smith. Yeah, I think Adam Hollyoak spoke so well on this and he was part of the old brigade who went, this is a nonsense. What are you guys doing? And he said he went down on the bowling machine, went, shit, this is so good. This is the answer guys, we all need to do this. And I think professional cricketers have such a difficult, or any professional athlete have a, such a difficult relationship where their job is to pursue this impossible pursuit of perfection, basically. You can never score enough runs. You can never be as good as batting as you always are. You can always have something you want to work on. And so they have this tantalizing silver bullet ahead of them, which is like, if you can do this, if you can guarantee you're not gonna miss the ball and you can stand in front of your stumps, you're gonna score millions of runs. And so you then combine that with the type of person who has made it to the very top of almost the very top of their sport. Are they not going to give it a go? 
surely they have to give it a go because they've done everything well up until this point. But the problem is you're kind of, maybe it's the point where the ability runs out and say, for instance, players are always going, I trust my process or whatever. So they're training and it's working and they want to stick with it and they don't want to get blindsided by the fact I'm getting LBW more. They're going to stay in this. They're going to see the course through. Now, I think old players have this kind of luxury of hindsight, basically. And they all talk about, you want to keep it simple. Like, don't try new things. Just get really good at what you do. And I think that's probably correct. But I also think it's very, very hard to know that if you're 28 and trying to maximize your career, just to say, no, I'm just going to practice what I'm good at now. I'm not going to open my eyes to these other techniques that exist around the world. Your point there is that we have seen athletes again and again revolutionize themselves between the age of, what, 20 and 32, but even sometimes later than that, by trying new things as well and sometimes completely change their careers. So to be able to say, no, just do what you do, well, the game doesn't stay the same. People bowl differently, people bat differently, people feel differently. All those things have changed. The other thing that I think is particularly interesting about this tactic is a lot of the players who have done it well throughout the history of cricket quite often score quicker because you have more balls to score from. It's very hard to score consistently if the ball's only being bowled in the channel outside of stump to you. If you're standing on the channel, that changes everything. If LBW didn't exist, where would you stand? You yeah. stand in front of all your stumps and you'd be like, any ball you bowl to me, I'm just going to hit it where I want to. Mm. And so that's why this, this is, is so appealing and why people want to do it and why it also kind of infuriates. I loved the clip. There was NASA did a, a segment uh, in the New Zealand series and he got really angry and he was like, just stop. Like you're, you're saying everyone that's ever played in the history of the game is wrong. Like just get back to basics, play normal cricket. And I got it. But I also, it's kind of fun. It's kind of, it's quite exciting to see players just try something new and just go, right, we're just going to give this a go. But yes, the game's been played. Well, there have been exceptions to the rule or whatever. I've been mm. played in a certain way for however long. We're just going to flip it on its head and try something that we think might crack the code basically well i mean one of my big things is the evolution of batting right it's one thing when i did the history of cricket it shocked me how much we never talk about it but how you can basically track through the evolution of batting through the history of the game so for instance the reason that the old fuddy duddies didn't want round arm bowling or over arm bowling to come in is because they could play into their 40s 50s and 60s with big heavy bats and they could handle the ball coming underarm right and so they didn't want it to be a younger athlete's game because that meant they couldn't continue to play. Then you have the first player ever to basically, I would say, invented modern cricket batting is WG Grace. Players before him had gone forward to the ball or gone back to the ball. And WG Grace was like, wouldn't you go forward to these balls? And wouldn't you go back to these balls? And part of the reason he did that is because he grew up when people were still bowling underarm and when people started bowling overarm. So he sort of had this general picture of, wait a minute, there are different shots I can play to different balls. You go forward to probably Trumper is the first guy who says, why are we only hitting the ball on the offside when I can hit this ball from the offside to the leg side? There's no one fielding there, right? Literally opens up the field. You keep getting those sorts of things until you get like a perfection of that through the Bradman, George Headley sort of Hammond era where they basically perfect batting. And so what happens? The bowlers are like, well, now we're going to bowl at your head, right? And so then that happens. You then have very, very good spin bowling coming through in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Reverse sweep comes out. You could make the exact same argument for W.G. Grace, for Victor Trumper, for the Bradman era, for the Khan brothers when that was it the Khan brothers? 
I think, who were the Pakistani brothers? Yeah, I think it was the Khan brothers who came up with the reverse sweep. All the way through, you could make that. But if what NASA and some of the other guys maybe don't have in the front of their mind, I'm sure if I sat them in a bar and chatted to them this before they started yelling at me and telling me I'm wrong, they would say, you're right. It has always changed. And I think that is a really, really interesting thing because I want to get to one other person here who I think is fascinating, who you did talk to in the piece, is Graham Gooch, who literally yeah. was another person who changed batting. Talk me through that. So I actually I first found out about Graham Gooch changing and having this kind of high back lift with David Hinchcliffe, the coach I mentioned earlier. And I found it very interesting in that he spoke very passionately about People said Gooch was playing baseball because he was waiting with his bat in the air and he was laughed at and he was the kind of joke of the modern cricketing world at the time. And I spoke to Graham Gooch and kind of was like waiting for these stories to roll out of him. And he just went, well, yeah, people might have said something briefly, but then I just scored loads of runs. So kind of uh, just snuffed the candle out and I went, his point was we, we talk about these changes and it's so results orientated. Mm. Like Graham Gooch could do whatever he wanted eventually because he scored however many thousands upon thousands of runs. And he was literally saying, I didn't notice, I didn't care if anyone yeah. said anything about it because I had this amazing result straight away. But the way his change came in, he was explaining that one of the early, either late 70s, early 80s Ashes tours. And he said, I think it was his aunt had a VCR player and was recording all the footage overnight, basically. And Gooch came back and watched it, basically. And he said that his head kept on falling over. He was like, I don't like the position I'm in. And this is kind of the first time these guys are seeing themselves mm. bat. My head's falling over. And so what he did, and well, what a lot of players did, and he was, he was saying, I think, who else was he saying? He was saying Tony Gregg, I think, was another player who did it around about the same time. Yeah. He was saying when he was waiting with his bat on the floor, you're resting with your bat on the floor, your head kind of almost leans over because you're being lazy. Whereas he said, if I lifted my hands up and held them up and held my bat up, then I kept my head higher and it meant my head was staying over off stump mm. as these players in the modern day are trying to do with the off stump guard. And rather than if I hadn't started with my bat on the ground, my whole body was leaning over with my bat on the ground. And so my head was not level and it was outside the line of off stump. And so he said he had this, like, he didn't say it was a eureka moment, but I really wanted him to that he basically had this technical change. And he was one of the players who was, he was massive on these um, on players currently saying, just train what you're good at. He said, I worked at my method when I was however young or old once he sourced out this. And he said, that's all I did. That's all I tried to hone. He said, the day before a match, all I wanted was some like throwdowns. And I just wanted to groove my movement. And I just wanted to settle in and just be very comfortable in what I was doing. Again, I think we go back to the fact of Graham Gooch was very, very good. And so he was like, well, this is a method that works and it works at the highest level. So I'm going to keep doing this. If you're not at that highest level and you want your potential key or your codes to the next stage, then I think it's harder to subscribe to that method because you might be saying, well, if I just keep on doing what I'm good at now, this is where I'm going to stay. I want to change something and risk a potential few failures for that potential reward at the other end. Yeah, I remember when the Graham Gooch method sort of came into Australia. I think SB Tang wrote a big piece for yeah. About Mike Hussey bringing it in, but it was well before then because I remember mm. I had a coach. I used to have a Brian Lara back lift. Tap, tap, ball would come in, it would be beside my head. I'd smash everything in sight except for the four Yorkers I've missed, yes. right? And my coaches did that. But the other thing is that I'm pretty sure we're on safe grounds here. But when Eddie Cowan had that technique, he had the bat up technique. 
And he eventually went back to tapping at his toes, by the way, for other reasons. But I remember that Greg Chappell came to him and said, you'd be a much better player if you kept your bat down. This bat up nonsense doesn't work. Now that was, must have been around 2012. And people were still dismissing Gooch's method, despite the fact that by that point, I would have thought close to 50% of all professional cricketers had their bat in the air. So it does show you, A, that there are many different ways of doing things and that they aren't particularly all the same and that cricket does hold on to these sorts of older things. Now, we're going to get back to the thing at the start about Red Bull cricket having not changed. Yeah, I'm bracing myself. It's okay. When NASA, Athers and Butch came in, outswinger was the most dependable ball that you had bowled. Almost every seam bowler in the world probably had an outswinger or you wanted them to have an outswinger, right? There are almost no seam bowlers left in the world that bowl an outswinger anymore. There are certainly no Matthew Hoggard type bowlers out there very often. You get a couple in county cricket. There's none at test level. I don't think we have what I would call an automatic outswing bowler in the way of Damian Fleming or Matthew Hoggard or some of the great older 90s Sri Lankan bowlers, Wickrama Singer and those guys who would just come in, no matter what they did, seam up and swing it away. What happened also was when people stopped bowling, the outswing kind of bowling, people went wider on the crease, okay? And so if you have a look at where Richard Hadley or Dennis Lilly, they used to knock the umpire's hat off on the way in. No one's even close enough to the umpire to knock their hat off anymore. Bowlers come from far wider and they bowl wider on the, on the crease. There's a couple of other changes too. There was no wobble ball seam in the era that those other guys played in. There was also no DRS, which has fundamentally changed how batters have to bat, which Butch would agree with on spinners, by the yeah. way. And there's also analysis. So we know a lot more about batting to begin with. And I think the most important thing is that what used to happen was, you can call it the corridor of uncertainty. I mean, in Australia, they used to call it the Queensland line. Whatever you want to call it. Bowling outside off stump used to be what you did. You bowled six inches outside off stump to 12 inches outside off stump, and you would plow a furrow there. Have a look at the modern bowling maps. People are not bowling outside these stumps anymore. They're bowling directly at the stumps. Now, part of this might be because more people are batting on the stumps, but my guess is the most common ball, or at least the most attempted ball by a seamer in international cricket at the moment is coming wider of the crease, bowling as fast as you possibly can with a wobble ball. So the ball is aiming at the top of off stump. If the ball hits the seam and goes that way, yeah. you've got a chance of getting caught behind or slips. If the ball hits the seam and goes the other way, you've got a chance of bold and LBW. The game has changed. It has not changed in as noticeable a way of people flipping the ball over their head or anything, but seam has completely got on top. And I think part of the reason all these guys in first-class cricket around the world are batting on off stump is because seam bowlers are better and more dangerous with their modern methods. So we actually have had a change. We have taller, faster bowlers bowling at the top of off stump rather than shorter, skiddier bowlers bowling outswing outside of the off stump, which means that straight away, I think the way that people bat has changed and the way that people bowling has changed. I don't know which one changed first, if that makes sense. Sure. I don't know if it was like Steve Smith started doing it and other batters started doing it and now bowlers are bowling more at the stumps. That I don't know. But I would say that the game has changed a lot. And the DRS essentially changes the way you bat when it comes to your LBWs. Yeah. One of the things they were trying to argue is that they, you, you set up with this plan, you set where you are on your stumps because you're trying to answer a particular question. Mm. And I think the problem that the guys have with the technique or the plan in England is doesn't hold for overseas. So they're saying... Yeah. If someone's running in bowling wobble seam at off stump and it could nip either way, why do you then want to be on off stump? I think that can all be true, 
But I do understand, like, one thing I, I did think this yesterday, actually, is I always say when talking about this technique that it's this method where you can't afford to miss the straight ball. Well, you could never afford to miss a straight ball, regardless mm. of where you start. If you miss a straight ball, you're out. Before you're bowled, now you're LBW. But I think there is something bizarre in that 20 years ago, if the ball was nipping around, batters gave themselves room and they played away from their body. They went, I don't want to get mixed up in this. Now people are coming kind of in towards the ball. And why, if the ball is going one way or the other, do you want it to be a case that if you miss the ball on your inside edge at all, you're basically LBW. Before, if you're standing away from the stumps on leg or middle and leg, you can miss the ball on your inside edge and it could be going down the leg side and you can miss the ball on the outside edge and it could be off stump or whatever. If you're coming across, you are kind of... I do understand that point where it's like, if the ball's nipping around loads, why do you want to be stood in front of your stumps? I don't necessarily understand why that's the answer. And then that's where kind of Butch differentiates. He goes, England, don't get it at all. Australia, where it's going up and down, beautiful, great. I do wonder that in terms of, I mentioned Hollyoak at the beginning, went on the bowling machine and he would have been retired for however many years and he went, this is the greatest technique of all time. I do wonder, and this is completely anecdotal and this is why I couldn't put it in the piece, but I'll say it here. I do wonder how many players have that same kind of feeling. They go onto a bowling machine and they try it out for the first time and it's amazing. And they go, mm. this is it. And then that can still be true that it could be amazing in Australia or on an absolute road wherever in the world, but on a, a wicket that's doing a bit and nipping one way or the other, why is the answer to stand in front of your stumps, basically? And I think that's something we gradually will hopefully find out the answer to. I don't fully know. But one massive help would be if we do know if those caught others are caught in the slips. But basically what I was saying is the game can change. And so even if the Red Bull game is changing in the way you've said, does that necessarily make the answer to stand in front of your stumps and back from there the right one? I'm not wholly sure. No, so I still don't think. So my theory was I'm going to pull out two other players, Bradman and Warren, right? Okay. I think it was a mistake that cricket didn't try and work out if other people should bat like Bradman because he's 40% better than anyone else, right? He must have been doing something that was worthy and no one did. With Warren, we tried to make everyone into Warren, right? Every leg spinner in the world was told, don't run into the crease anymore, walk into the crease. And what we've worked out a generation later is Warren is an absolute physical specimen in his chest and shoulders. And so if you're trying to tell a young leg spinner to lose all their momentum at the crease, they're not going to be able to put the revs on the ball that they need to be able to do through their shoulder or the momentum really through the ball uh, that you need to be able to put through. So in those two cases, you have one where we told everyone to copy Warren's technique and that didn't work. And you had another one where no one copied Bradman's technique. And you have to wonder if that's right. There's a certain point where Steve Smith specifically is an absolute physical freak. Right, His hand-eye coordination or whatever it is that makes him hit the ball when it's on middle and leg stump more than other people is not a particularly easy thing to replicate, right? Yeah. But the other thing I would say is that if the ball is being angled into your stumps more than before, generally then being closer to it with your head and your body actually probably makes more sense than before if the ball is outside our stump and you can stay on the other side of it. And when it's bowled directly straight at you, you use a straight bat. And when it's outside of stump, you slash at it. Those are different lines. I'm not saying that Nasser and Athers and Butch never face bowlers coming from wider on the crease because that would be fake. Mm. But I do think that there has been a change in the bowling technique. Now, whether it's changed because the bat has changed first, I don't know which order these things come in. But essentially, that is why this has happened. Even if it's wrong, yeah, right? 
Batters haven't just all woken up and just be like, uh, let's try something new to annoy old people. These things happen all the time. And I think the fact that you noticed it in 2015 and I noticed it in, must be 2014 when, when Steve Smith started doing it, suggests that it's not a particularly new technique. It's probably just got more widespread. And probably what you will have is in five to 10 years time, we might be in a Graham Gooch situation where a percentage of batters are doing that and a percentage of batters aren't. The only other thing I would say is if you're facing bowling, anything over 80 miles an hour, right? Yeah. Which isn't always the case in counter cricket, but anything over 80 miles an hour, we know 80 miles an hour is almost like a magic number. So up until 80 miles an hour, your eyes can kind of track the ball and then you hit it. Over 80 miles an hour, you have to make a saccade and just go, oh, I think it's going to be here and I'm going to hit it. There's an element of game theory in batting, right? And I always think, KP, and we've mentioned him a few times already, he was one of the best at this. Sometimes you could see KP would be facing a bowler and you could tell he was struggling against them. And he would then just play three of the most audacious shots of all time. Because his thinking was, if I hit three boundaries here, they're going to take him off and they're going to change what they do. If I hit Nathan Lyon for six into the wind, they're going to think, oh my God, there's no safe end of all Nathan Lyon from here. Right? All those sorts of things. There is an element to that in batting. There is a game theory element to this where modern batters are going, we understand that it may not be completely, but we are backing ourselves to upset the bowlers. The whole thing is just so endlessly fascinating because there is no right batting technique, which is essentially what your experts are saying and what Butch sort of says in the piece. It's funny you say that because when I initially thought the answer or the why people were doing this is you kind of grow up watching cricket and a bowler strays onto Alistair Cook's pads or later they stray onto Jonathan Trott's pads and the commentator goes, that's criminal. You can't bowl there. And so then I go, oh, so all the batters have just walked over to be like, oh, bowl more on my pads, please. And kind of the bowler gets tricked into going, oh, I'm going to try and get an LBW. And they go like, haha, it's four runs, basically, in that kind of game theory style. I massively agree. I think it's really interesting the way that batters are having to bat their ability and their self-belief to pursue a technique which has this high risk, high rewards element mm. to it. They're basically, uh, the way I was thinking about it is kind of like in high board diving, if you try a much more difficult dive, yeah. your score kind of gets multiplied. And so if you're better at diving, you have access to a, a higher scoring dive and it's kind of exponential how you can perform better than everyone else. And I just think everyone wants a bit of that pie, basically. I think people want to believe in themselves that they're good enough to do it and whether they are, we're finding out and maybe that'll be how the game kind of filters out in the two kind of 50% will be stay on middle and middle and leg and the other 50% will go over to off stun. Because I think what will happen, I, this is the film that kind of, I obviously didn't include this in the piece because it's silly, but I remember thinking, I assume you've watched Happy Gilmore. Of course. And so Happy Gilmore has this driving technique and Shooter McGavin, the great pro who's been around the block for ages, everyone's laughing at it. This is stupid. This is dumb. And it works. And so then you have the scene where Shooter McGavin's practicing it after hours going like, oh, is this actually the answer? And I feel like this is where we are with this technique, that it's weird. It might not be as unique as we once thought it was, but it's, it exists and it's high risk. But for some people, it really works. But the fact it really works for some people means it deserves like some respect and a reason why people wouldn't want to do it and why we'll have Shooter McGavin, who's been on the tour for 20 years, trudging around county cricket for one of an analogy is going actually i might give this a go it might not work for me at all it might be terrible but let's try it and see <laughs> uh, no better way to finish a podcast on batting on our stump than talking about shooter mcgavin thank you very much Good. for coming on the podcast mate no thank you very much for having me
Thanks for listening to Red Inca. There is more information on my guests available in the show notes, including their Twitter profiles, if they have one. This is the important bit, though. Please review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, really. Share it on all the social medias and just get it out there. If you can, act it out in plays on your balcony with your loved ones. This podcast is made possible by the people who support us at Patreon, so thanks to those who already do. And there is a link to Patreon in the show notes as well. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes everything sound better for your ears, and the theme tune is called The Prisoner by the Red Crickets. Red Crickets.